Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson for another episode of Kirk, Your Enthusiasm. I'm rejoined by multi-time guest Ben Collins of NBC News, former child reporter for the Dallas Mavericks. Ben, how are you? I'm lovely, man. How are you doing? I'm great. You know, the last time Ben was on the pod was a a celebration of the preposterous Luka Game 4 overtime victory, where we only talked for about 10 minutes, but it was essentially... For anyone that that didn't hear it, it was 10 minutes of us sort of like shrieking about how right and happy we were. And, and, you know, granted, the the Clippers won in six, but it was, you know, really a vindication of a lot. And, you know, we've had kind of a a very uh, shortened offseason with the weirdness of the world and the NBA needing to get back on track so it doesn't kind of collapse under its own weight. And there's just all sorts of things that, that are outside of our control, but the NBA is going to press on with the draft happening a week from tonight because you and I are recording on uh, Veterans Day on 11-11. This will go up on 11-12. The draft will be the 18th and then uh, free agency starts Friday night at uh, 11-20, you know, right before Thanksgiving. Couldn't be more excited. Woo. Um, You and I, we're going to talk about the draft first or not the draft. (laughs) We're going to talk about free agency first because That is where things get weird in a hurry. And then I think we'll circle back in the end and talk a little bit of draft. So Ben, in your, in your, you know, your time on the internet, when you can play with the NBA trade machines and the various options that are out there, what are you thinking? What are the the real things that are coming to mind that, that won't leave your brain about the Mavericks at this point in time? Okay, so I think the the one thing that we've been tied to over and over in the last few months is Victor Oladipo. And I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know what it is. Initially, I was repelled by this because I was like, first of all, I don't want another guy coming off injury. He (laughs) might, it's just, you know, he's a lot of money. If even if he does great, we have to assign him and retain his cap hold, and that takes us out of the Giannis stuff. But then I heard the price for him is like the 18th pick and DeLon Wright and Dwight Powell. Like that's what they're saying on the so I heard it on the on uh, Sam Bassini and Danny LaRue talk about that. And I was like, you know what? Maybe that's worth it. Maybe that that sort of thing where it's like dead money plus plus a pick. Sure, why not? That's worth that's worth a shot. The guy's athletic. He's a good defender. And at the end of the day, the number one goal for this team, I think we both agree with this, is a second playmaker. I mean, a guy yes. who can create when the when the ball has stalled and when Luke is having an off game, when Luke is on the bench. Right. That's the most important thing. And I yep. think. He can do that every once in a while. So if that's what the price is, I like this Victor Oladipo thing. Would you do that trade? Would you do Dwight uh, DeLon in the 18th pick? See, the only stuff that I've heard about Depot at this point was sort of like Simmons and Russillo and people kind of talking. Yeah. And I, with as much as I appreciate and, and enjoy those guys for entertainment value, I don't trust their actual NBA takes. Vecini and LaRue are, are plugged. So that is high key interesting. It's actually not even a part of our trade rumors post that we have up on the site. I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go look into that because getting out from under Dwight Powell's contract is, is appealing. I love Powell. Powell is going to be like president of the players union at some point. Great dude. But his, his strength is his athleticism. And I'm not sure. Have you ever seen anybody that has torn their Achilles tendon? Have you like seen them up close? There was this one NBA. There's this one former uh, professional basketball player at summer league who was a, a Portland blogger. He was like an overseas player, but he had torn his Achilles and had all the proper rehab, did everything possible that he could. His calves were completely different sizes. Like oh, it, 
so and it just that sort of thing just like messes with your biomechanics i don't care how good of of you know there's there's been a, a few players who are really able to do it i'm sure durant will be something because that man didn't have any muscle to begin with but but powell is just so you know it's just so based on his athleticism so getting you know moving on from him would be very interesting to me in and of itself kind of removing depot from the discussion i i have have uh, I sort of have questions about Oladipo, the locker room guy. This is, he's been on his third team and he's not even through two contracts. So at a certain point, I wonder if he has like, you know, I don't think he's like an outright asshole or anything like that, but I just wonder if he's a little bit of a difficult coworker and that sort of thing doesn't appeal to me, but the talent and the ability to trade for somebody with upside to you know, even if it's just a one-season rental, I don't hate it. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it too. Is if, if this is our Antoine Walker trade or something, we could do a lot mm. worse than this. Um, uh, you know, we do need to find somebody who can fill into that third star role. And if he plays like he played two years ago, which was probably All NBA first, second team cusp, um, yeah. then that's it. We we have found it. We don't have to do anything else. We're in very good shape. I also worry about that. It's a very bad injury um, that he had. And he looked weird, but he came back. He had a, you know, he looked like three quarters of himself. And that's just not enough around like what we need to do over the next few years. And also this is our last pick for a while, right? Yes. Um, and, you know, that was my worry too. There are players in this draft that even if they can't help us next year, I think can clearly help us in the future. Um, and we need, you know, this is our last shot at getting somebody genuinely young. I, I don't know how old Victor Oladipo is. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to guess that he's like 27. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's not young. That's prime. He's 28. Yep. Um, so, you know, that is my worry about that, is that forfeiting picks right now, which would be cost-controlled, if they're any good, that's amazing to have um, going into the Giannis year where you have – Luca, uh, a high-end pick, KP, a bunch of really good role players that you can move around, and then maybe Giannis, and then you're all set forever. Like, you don't need anything else. So I like the old depot idea. Um, how do you feel about Drew Holiday? What is your what are your thoughts? I want I want to hear about this. So Drew Holiday is well, number one, an incredible human being. He and his yep. wife are are kind of one of my favorite american stories of the last several years for for anybody that didn't know she is a his wife is a united states women's national team soccer player and she had brain surgery while pregnant and survived and had the baby and like they're just kind of like a story of resiliency holiday as a player is sort of interesting to me because he's everyone considers him a good defender yet all the teams he's been on have been kind of eh, defensively and I'm not sure if that's because he has kind of an outweighed exact like 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 too much of of that reputation for for what he is. I also think he he's kind of got a little bit of a, of a banged up injury history, so to speak. And he's gonna be 30. He's gonna want a new contract. And I don't know how he will age as a player. So I like him for a year. I do not like him for what. The Mavericks are going towards. I think that the Mavericks are three years away. I think that they should keep trying, but I, I, I'm a little concerned with the talk of, of you know, really doing everything they can right now. Luca's under contract for five ish more years. 
you know, uh, not officially, but that's sort of the way these things work. And so I, I just don't see the need to really go all in with a guy like Holiday, who I'm not sure moves the needle in the way that that they need it, because Holiday's not going to have the ball very much in the Maverick offense. Um, he's not. A, I don't know if he's elite at any of the sort of off ball things that they would need. He does help some defensively because the Mavericks are basically tissue paper on defense, but but that's sort of where my brain is with the free agency stuff and and trade options for him. I also don't think them. I think the Mavericks should have to give up a lot to get him. Um, yeah, I, I feel the same way. Lot. I think that you know, in a vacuum, I really like him as a player and a person, and I I think that like ideally as a personnel fit, he's great next to Luke and KP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think we'd be in a bidding war with a bunch of teams drinking dipshit juice over this. And I don't, I don't want to be in a bidding war with anybody like that. I think there are relatively desperate teams like the Lakers trying to find like guaranteed starter caliber players who will be really good next year. And, you know, we don't have to get into that sort of fight right now. We're not, you know, throwing away assets for that is not something I want to be a part of. So I like Drew Holiday. I don't think we have enough to compete with the Lakers and the Clippers and uh, all these other teams who will forfeit, you know, a pick in 2027 or something, which is what people are talking about with the Lakers um, for, for a year or maybe four overpaid years of Drew Holiday. So mm-hmm. in my power rankings, the old Depot thing is above Holiday now, even though I like Holiday better as a player and an idea, which is sure. a great business. Um, so in uh, my, my third option, I think is there's going to be some sort of out of the blue cash saving situation from one of these teams whose owner doesn't want to deal with this. So it could be to me in my brain, it's like Zach Levine is a possibility that, you know, notoriously cheap ownership who, uh, you know, they're tired of waiting around. We could sell them on some sort of uh, pick in Seth Curry and Maxi Kleba base package around there. Um, that's a possibility there or some, or like maybe the Kings blow it up and there are a bunch of people over there that could be interesting to me specifically, obviously deer and Fox, but I don't see that actually happening. Sure. Um, so I think like the number one thing that I would like to do in the power rankings is just be crazy opportunistic for somebody who is trying to shed cash and uh, gives you a second or third tier level star. Isn't that the best possible scenario for us? Yeah, I I, I think the 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 cash savings part and and there was a a three then four team trade discussed today with you know the Suns and and Chris Paul and the Thunder. And the Mavericks got tossed in in terms of being a possible place for landing spots for guys just to make room. And and that's sort of where I am right now. I've never been very good at, at free agent creativity. So these sorts right. of things are are I, I, I live in the realm of the possible. And, and it's a good thing that I'm not a general manager because I'd probably stink at it. Because you just really have to, to to get into the weeds and start getting weird the way, you know, I, I make fun of everybody that does this on social media, but it, it's kind of what ends up happening where you just kind of start throwing things out. And eventually it's it's like not that different than fantasy football or whatnot, where somebody goes, eh, I kind of like that idea. And then you move towards the middle where where someone, you know, where both teams end up marginally happy or, you know, it's like playing poker where one team's actually ecstatic and kind of keeping their 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 you know cards close to the vest and these sorts of things with a with with guys like that I, I have a harder time with because you know Levine is is one one guy uh, uh Dallas basketball's Dalton Trigg and I kind of go back and forth about because he strikes me as a guy Rick Carlisle would like execute with eye lasers oh my god because... he would absolutely murder him man <laughs> but uh, it right. must be worth it that's the thing yeah 
but he's so yeah yeah and he's so offensively talented you, you you have to and you know say okay is this something they'd be interested in but i just can't help but sh- you know have this feeling that when you have luca and luca's an mvp caliber player finding the pieces that fit with him it, it should be easier than this and maybe it will be yeah. in future years maybe it's just that the free agency class is just so bleh and then dallas is you know they have these these kind of a glut of of solid role players but they're all playing like two spots higher in the hierarchy than they need to be in order to be effective like Maxi Kleb is a good example because he was so good for most of the season and then he had to play starter level minutes in the bubble and then in the playoffs and he just isn't good enough and right. and that sort of stuff is where Dallas started to get exposed so what you're talking about in terms of a third star I'm not sure if it's third star. I just think they need better starters. Like the, the, we can't have this game where you have have eight, you know six to seven guys that float in and out of the rotation. I, I watching what Denver did all year, where they basically played the same five to six guys. Dallas needs to get to that point. I, 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 that's just where I am with this because I, I think they need some consistency over time. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, that's. And the other thing is that I am starting to realize that we do value our players a little bit more than anybody else does, because I was thinking like, how do we get into the lottery? How do we find a way up? There are players that like the lottery a lot that I think would fit really well. Um, And then I'm like, okay, so we'll just trade, you know, Dodo package Dodo with our pick and see what happens. And then I was like, Oh wait, nobody cares about Dodo the way we do. Like nobody, like if you look at his, if you look at his stats, like raw numbers, they're not that good. Only we know that he is, that guard in the offensive glass that he's really good defensively that are, he's probably our best wing defender. He like, he fills a lot of holes for us. Um, but if you were to trade him to say like Atlanta for six, it, 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 like him in 18 for six, Atlanta's just going to laugh at you. Laugh so, at you um, right. that, so like that, and that guy's playing like 40 minutes a night in the playoffs. So yeah. um, we do, we just need better starters. And um, I, I like how we value our guys, but we, like realistically we have a bunch of dudes who are great six through eight players and we have mm-hmm. seven of those. Yep. <laughs> so we need, uh, we need starters. That's what we need. And, um, and Luca elevates those guys, but then you look at kind of, kind of the dudes who are, who are on the free agency market and I won't read some of them to you and, and unless you're ready, but it, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of wild and it's, it's, it gets kind of dark. <laughs> yeah. I was going to, I actually had a list that I had three names. Oh, let's do it. I, I just want you to rank the names. Mm. Um, and remember that they're going to cost different amounts of money. Okay, you ready? Sure. Chris Dunn, Davis Bertans, Carmelo Anthony. For this team, not for not generally as players, how you like them, just for this team and presuming that, you know, Bertans would cost probably like 20 mil a year, Melo would cost five, and Dunn would cost 10. I mean, Davis Bertans would shoot 55% from three with the Mavericks. And that alone makes him the top person there. And he's a better shooter than KP. And and newsflash, folks, KP is not that good of a shooter. He just looks very good shooting. That's very different. Um, Then I would probably have to say it's it's a pretty close tie between Dunn and mellow even though i'm not a mellow guy i 
the Mavericks don't need guards. I I don't want right. anyone on the roster below six foot four. Like I, I I've I've had enough of Rick Carlisle and tiny guys because they just get exposed. And Dunn is is kind of a fighter, and I think he he's that guy. You know, gives excuse me, gives me like Mike James vibes in 2013. You know, he'd be a he'd be very like solid in in a different situation, but I just don't know how much he'd bring to Dallas. Yeah, same way. Um, I guess really the question I'm trying to ask you is say you get to, say Davis Bertons is really available for you know four years, 20 million a year. Um, this mm-hmm. will price you out of Giannis and, you know, say, say it's possible. And say maybe you trade up, maybe you get like Obi Toppin or somebody in, in the lottery and you have some money. Do you do it? Do you just, you know, say like, Hey, look, you know, if we do this, we have the best shooting front court and like the history of the NBA. Do we just try it? See what happens? I would, do do because I, okay. I, I think that waiting for Giannis is something that I find myself drifting towards. But I drift towards it out of emotion because I want it to happen, not because I necessarily think it's the best basketball fit, though I think the Mavericks would make it work, like talent trumps all. But, you know, between a solid basketball fit and likelihood of outcome, that's where I want them to be. I, I do think that Dallas will become, during Luca's time, in in Dallas, it will become a players of a certain guys who don't you know who don't need the ball a ton are are where we start and finish with that. Um, they may look to reduce his load at some point, but those of those three, that's why a guy like Berton sort of stands out. Even though investing more money in the front court is not something I'm like loving as a concept. Right. Yeah. Look. I, I think that I think that you, if you have the opportunity to do something historically weird like this, you could try <laughs> it. I, I don't I don't mind the concept. Like you're gonna, I understand you'll never you're not gonna hold anybody beneath like 110 points from here on out. But it's like a really interesting idea where sure. you have all this space for Luca to operate. Um, you have your two bigs on the perimeter. Uh, KP can kind of sort of crash, crash the glass. Then you can live with Dodo being out there that much. Sure. And in like worst comes to worst, man, you can find a way to get off Bertans. Like you can trade that pick in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, other teams will want him. The Warriors would want him. All these other teams that are uh, just raw space now, they would want him. So at the end of the day, if we end up with just that, this free agency and, uh, we overpay for that guy. I actually don't care. I think it's I think it's a really interesting idea, and it's um, it's not sexy. It's not the old Depot Holiday thing, um, but it might put us in the Western Conference Finals like next year. I think it, sure. I think it's possible that, that could happen. Sure. So I don't know. I, I'm just tossing it back out there. I know we've sort of. I think every Mavs fan has gone through this cycle of like, oh, it could be Bertans, and then they've kind of faded away with the Giannis stuff. But I just want to put it back out there that it's possible that this could happen. Because I, well, I think it, I think it's an, a, a decent idea. Well, I'm when you circle back to to the 2019-20 playoffs, the fact that the Mavericks settled for the Clippers fairly early on, and the way the Western Conference shook out, I think they could have beat any team in the conference in the playoffs with that kind of scrub collection they ended up having at the end of it. If they would have played Denver early on before Denver kind of caught fire, I think they would have beat Denver. And so it's it's one of these things where 
the the temptation to assemble a team right now and really push forward, despite what I said earlier about Dallas being three years away, I see why it's so appealing to people because, you know, despite what, you know, history tells us when looking back on these seasons, there's not as much inevitability about the NBA season as it feels like they're in, you know, the best team usually ends up winning, but there's, there's always these chances for guys, for teams to get hot at the right moments and things like this. And the Mavericks are, are a couple moves away from being a top four team in the West. And if they're a top four team in the West, then I think that's when these sort of like, you know, dice rolls can happen where it's, Oh, they might be able to make the finals this year. I I think it's inherently possible that, um, that teams that are older get worse and teams that are younger get better. I think this is just like the way it goes. And the Lakers are going to have to retain a bunch of these free agents who now cost more. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I know they're going to go star shopping, but there's no real, like to me, it, it doesn't seem as uh, like, it doesn't seem like they're headed back in part right. because they just played a full season in a bubble and then two months later, they have to go back and do it again. And they're one of the older teams in the league. So there's them. The Clippers have a new coach. Um, I have no idea if that team remains the same next year. And they didn't appear to like each other to begin with. Uh, the Warriors will be better. But there, there is still this, like, there isn't the inevitability we've been dealing with over the last 10 years where the team from the East is LeBron James and the team from the West uh, is probably the Warriors or somebody or the Rockets had a chance at one point to me there's there's a much more wide open field next year even than this year so if you want if you want to do this if you want to get weird this is the year to get weird with it i think that you know if you want to do the bertans thing go for it if you want to try the old depot thing do it but like ideally we go into next season with a relatively firmer starting five and nobody like you know like seth curry or jalen brunson or maxi cleo playing you know 35 minutes that's my that's my goal for this offseason. I like it. I like it. Do we have any other free agency things that you would like to make the case for? I I don't think so. I mean, I guess I should just ask. No, I, never mind. I was going to say I should ask the Harden question, but I'm not going to ask it. We don't have the assets, and it would be a pain in the ass, and it would probably ruin the team. So, Oh, but I'm really, I'm really loving the fact that it's it, for anybody that's unaware of reading it this morning, and you probably will be by the time you listen to this, but an athletic article hit about a half hour ago that seems to just like James Harden just gets thrown under the bus again. But at this point, it's not being thrown under the bus. You have like 15 high profile teammates that now are basically tired of this man's crap. And yeah. I can't revel in this more um, because he looks like an ass. He behaves yeah. like an ass. He has an unbelievable set of basketball skills, but then it just he he it's it's so nice to have this kind of quasi villain to dislike because he's just he's just if you're on our team, I'd love him to death because he's such a jerk. But it, <laughs> it's great, it's great. But yeah, you know the Harden things too much. Russell Westbrook is somebody that that the Mavs would run far away from. I would love to pick the corpse of of the Rockets and and get PJ Tucker in a Mavs uniform somehow. Oh, or- but Covington, that, if that's if that's if that's doable, there are guys on that team that I really like, but they're not named James Harden or or uh, Russell Westbrook. 
Well, and then past that, there's a number of guys that I, I have some interest in, but I just don't know if they're realistic. There's Jay Crowder, who okay. was a member of the Mavericks for a brief period of time, and I loathed as a player. And I'm right about his shooting. I'm wrong about him as a player. He'd be a very interesting fit. There's there's Derek Jones Jr., who is a member of the Miami Heat, who I just don't know if they can afford. Uh, he's raw, but he, oh, God, is he athletic. And then last, I wonder if Otto Porter Jr. would be available from the Bulls. He's had kind of a, a, a injury bug the last several years, but man, can that guy? I think that guy's a good basketball player. What do you think? I would love that. He's just spots up in the corner and rebounds pretty well, and does. I, I like him as a player, and I think the Bulls would love to get off of, off of that money. He doesn't fit in their plans. He's not on their window. Um, I, I think of those three, definitely Otto is, is there. But is he, doesn't he have like a player option? Is that? Or is I think he yeah, it would it would take some finagling. There would be. Yeah, I don't necessarily even think he's available because they're on this list that that Josh and I put together it includes a lot of guys with player options. Just because he and I wanted to maybe consider talking about them, the guy that I had thrown out to me uh, in a Slack channel two days ago, uh, Action Networks, Matt Moore said. The more I think about it, the more I think the Mavericks should just throw it all away and go chase Christian Wood and give him a big contract because he does like he's a better, you know, he insert him into the Dwight Powell role and he owns, which man, I would love to I would love to have him as a player, but I don't I just don't think the the Mavericks would would be interested in that just because he's been kind of a like it took him a while to grow up as an NBA player and figure out who he was. Yeah, I, obviously he's very good. I'm worried we're priced out of that. Um, yeah, in part because of how weak the free agent class is. Yep, he's probably like going to be the second or third highest paid free agent this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I completely agree with that. I my worry also is that he, like you said, duplicates Dwight's skills, and if Dwight comes back even kind of fine, um, we'll probably have to find some space for him because we have three years left of his contract. Right. So, um, you know, between Dwight and Maxi and him, they might overlap a little bit. But I obviously, you know, him in a pick and roll of Luca would look very, very good. And he also provides a little bit of room protection where him next to KP uh, makes it so it's very hard to go in the paint against that team, especially with Luca still hanging around there too, who rebounds really well. So, you know, it would change the identity of the team. It makes it bigger, uh, it makes it stronger, and uh, it might clog up spacing a little bit. But I don't know. It, there, there, that's a way of doing it. it that's like, when people were talking about getting Clint Capella last year, mm-hmm. they wanted Christian Wood, I think. that That's yeah. what they wanted, was that kind of athlete. Um, so I don't mind it. It's He's much more switchable than somebody like Capella is on defense. So I'm okay with that, generally. I, uh, I'm i just worried. I'd rather play a little bit more of KP at the five, and I would rather more stretch base out there than, than Christian Wood. Well, it's interesting. Since, uh, you know, we, we restarted this podcast, now we have a little bit more time to talk. So uh, Ian Cobb of our, our website, fellow fellow New Yorker, uh, New York resident up there with you, uh, made a pitch in our, our Mavs Moneyball Slack about three months ago that sort of stuck in my brain where he said, you know, what if the Mavs treat Chris Tapp's Porzingis like mid to late career Tim Duncan, where they play him about 28 minutes and then surround him with a fleet of forward and center players who can do all the various things you need to do to in the NBA night in, night out, different matchups, different opportunities. 
And that thing's just sort of stuck in my head. I, the Mavs will never do it because Luca's their best player, not Porzingis. But it's sort of funny to me because I think that, that, that would be an interesting option if the NBA was actually bigger because it, it's there's just a lot. Like, there's some talented, you know, four or five men in the NBA. There's just not necessarily the space for them anymore, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think – I don't know if you want to transition to the draft from here, but yes. there's a guy who fits this role so well. It's almost spooky the way you just talked about it. Uh, if there's a way to get up into the into the lottery and get Obi Toppin, I think that we should do what we can to do it. I think that he's sort of – he's like a split between Boris Dio, which is like the late stage uh, Tim Duncan thing. He looks really good in the post from there uh, as a passer and like Kmart on a, as a roller um, for Luca. So – I, people are scared of him because defensively he's not very good. And they're like, what position does he play? He's not really a five, but he's not really a four. And I guess maybe he's a big three. And that does not matter when you're next to Luka and KP. You're all, all of those guys play that same, like, you know, nebulous, um, just forward position. Um, the things that scare off people about Obi should be really welcoming to the Mavericks, which is exactly what made Luka a good pick. I just, I, I hope that we move up and get him. There's that Mavs draft account on Twitter. I think everybody should follow it. Uh, you know, we're coming to the same conclusions about Obi, where like his weaknesses are so well hidden in a Carlisle offense and even even defense, and um, his offensive uh, abilities, his very like specific offensive abilities off ball, and his passing ability, it's just a perfect fit. I don't know what it takes to get to like six or seven, which is where he might end up. Right. But it would be worth it to me to, to do it. I think it's, I think it's worth calling the Hawks again and be like, Hey, do you want to get fleeced again? Let's just do it. <laughs> Let's roll. I think, I think it's worth the phone call. Right. I mean, it's, it's going to be very, I think the that no one really knows what's going to happen in this draft is what makes it so particularly weird. You and I, three years ago, I think we're much more versed in the very, or at least yeah. much more opinionated in in the various draft people. Well, it and, was like, I don't know. It was like we were the only people who had like our glasses on at the time. Everybody else was like drinking some weird Kool-Aid about the things that Luca couldn't do. And they were yeah. all wrong. And we just like, it was very apparent to us what was happening. I'll never, I, I will never be that right about anything Ever. Well, I mean, the other, like, <laughs> the things about Luca that were a lot more, that, that, let's just talk about him for a minute, because I like talking about yeah. Luca. Number one, his, his left hand was a hell of a lot more formed than I think anyone gave him credit for, because he played a fair amount off ball at Real Madrid. The yep. second thing that ha- was r- unbelievably apparent in that Clipper series is that man is strong. Mm-hmm. And strength plus space, plus Luca's stop-start ability, results in Every every NBA defender, with the exception of the ones who are really slow, like his fellow uh, his his fellow guys from from that part of the world, are are have a very hard time guarding him. And it's really it's just it's it's funny. And I think you know you and I, pro- I at least me when I thought he was going to be like a fifteen five and five rookie, and I would have been ecstatic. You know, instead he was twenty eight and seven, and then twenty eight nine and nine. Like this is just. This the way Luke has been is you're right. We're never going to be that kind of right again because I still remember that pre-draft video that that uh, one that was about kind of the biomechanics of how he plays and you know watching him plant and do all those sorts of things. It was just so obvious to me that if he wasn't going to be a top NBA player, he would at least fill a niche which would make him very difficult to guard. 
and and that's where it's it's just been a lot of fun watching him progress. But you know, as these other draft options, the Mavs are at eighteen and thirty-one. I'm pretty sure they'll do something with one of the picks that doesn't involve actually using them on a player that they plan to keep. Uh, which pick is going to be the very interesting part? I I you know had a discussion with somebody that you know I I feel has really strong takes on this sort of thing. I don't want to say who it is, but essentially reminded me that you know the further you get away from the top 10 players in the draft the less like lengthy careers these guys have you know at eight i have something coming out tomorrow with a sb nation mock draft and the guys that were picked 18th you know historically there's just not a lot of great players and and that's where for me if the Mavericks have the ability to be safe or swing for the fences, I would much rather them swing for the fences. Desmond Bain is somebody who I think that they should pick. I want them to pick Poku. That's where my brain is right now. Dude, I love Poku. I think, uh, you know, filling him out is not going to be the problem. You can't teach skill to a seven foot one guy. And this guy is an enormous amount of skill. Um, he's so crafty. The, there's that one, there's a viral video, if you look it up, of him making this absolutely ridiculous pass when he's like trying to collect the ball in traffic. He kind of flips this thing into the corner. And this guy really does, I, people joke around about people moving like a guard if you're seven one. People say KP moves like a guard, not compared to this. Poku moves like a guard. He really does. He's very quick, very fleet of foot. Um, I think it's worth a shot. He's obviously going to get absolutely manhandled if they try to play him at legitimate center right away. Um but you don't pick him to do something right away. I think that you bring him in, you get him much stronger, and uh, you let him play with Joy next to Luca. And I think that you have a really good situation. So, if dude, if they went up with Poku, I'm a very, very happy guy. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he'll be off the board by then because, like, you get into like this. There's this weird morass between ten and eighteen. Yeah, just like a bunch of random wings, and if you like them, great. But I don't think they're all going to be picked from ten to eighteen. Somebody's going to want a forward. Somebody's going to want a project. So, um, you know, I'm assuming one of them will be Poku. But if not, if he's there, let's take him. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Ten through eighteen is like the Pacers Spurs zone, where like only those two teams find guys that become awesome, and yeah. every other team just kind of herp derps along and kind of you know messes things up and whatnot. I just you know I, I have a I'm I'm interested to see what happens with one of the picks because I do believe that they will attempt to use a pick to get off a contract that they don't like, whether it is DeLon Wright or whether it is one year of friend of the show, Justin Jackson. I'm really curious to kind of see what happens because, you know, Mavs fans are throwing those two in all sorts of picks or or in all sorts of trade scenarios. Neither team wants those players, guys. Like, I, I don't know how to tell. Like, Justin Jackson might be a bottom 10 NBA player, DeLon Wright, while not horribly overpaid, still makes $9 million a year in a cap environment where things are about to get dicey. So I don't know. It, it's, that's just kind of what I, I, I would love for them to use both picks because I'm just a, I'm a, I, I like building from within. I trust the Mavericks ability to select good players when they care. It's just, there's been, we just have these so many incidences over the last, you know, 25 years of Mavsdom where Donnie Nelson, a top tier of a scout just apparently doesn't, you know, doesn't care. And, and, you know, they pick a guy like Justin Anderson who they're convinced they can teach him to shoot despite the fact that he has a trebuchet for arms. 
And, and, you know, there's just, there's understanding how basketball is played now. I, I think that the, the skill set that they're looking for, for these guys is much narrower than it might've been in years past, which might make this easier to an extent, you know, everything's a gamble and kind of a crap shoot at a certain point, but I just really wish they'd use both. That's just where my head is. Yeah. I'm on it. The 31st pick is historically a valuable pick. Um, people generally uh, want to use that pick for what, whatever guy fell out of the first round. Cause they don't want to give him guaranteed money, but they're, cause they're worried about some weird thing about them, but they will gladly give him a second round. Uh, they'll, they'll gladly pick him in the second round to give him an unguaranteed contract. So that might be a more valuable pick than something uh, than any other second round pick will ever have. Um, so I, I think this is a good, good year to either move that or take a shot, take a real legitimate swing. There are some, so many uh, weird international players in this draft yeah. who may be down there, like the Maladon kid from France or that Bolmaro kid from, uh, from, I don't even know where he's from, but the, <laughs> he's like a wing who plays like Milo Ginobili. So um, the, there is a way to stash somebody with that. That's totally okay. Um, I just, I, I feel like moving up in this draft is a, is probably a good idea. People really don't want to be in this lottery and there's almost like a group think about it. And you can always take advantage of group think. That's what we did with Luca. There was this very weird whisper campaign about him. And uh, we were able to pounce on that. There's a whisper campaign about the first 11 picks in this draft, <laughs> get into number nine or something. And, right. you know, you might be able to there there is there's really good starter level level talent at the top of this draft maybe not a superstar but we need starter level talent so if we can move up let's do it package picks add a player let's see what we can do well before i let you get out of here i got two more questions so one question um are you ready for the the inescapable grind of what's likely to start on december 22nd because they're going to fit 72 games into not a lot of months i I, I hope that they don't um, anticipate players to play every game here. This is way too much for these teams that made deep playoff runs. Um, you know, it's a it's it's going to be a complicated situation. Uh, yeah, we don't have the COVID stuff sorted out yet. They're talking about putting te- uh, fans in the arena, which I think um, that gets scrapped. That's it, that's got to be scrapped. Um, you know, the positive thing is there should be there should be a light at the end of this tunnel sort of by the end of the season, whether that means fans in the arena or the the, the country opening back up. Um, but it is, it's a real slog, man. Like if you think about like until 2022, LeBron James is going to play basketball like almost every month for the next like two years. Um, there are, there are guys who are, uh, going to, have to take like um, weeks off at a time. I'm assuming. I think we have to be prepared for that, and yeah. we have to be prepared for that to happen to Luke and KP too. Like, um, that's why we need, dude. That's why we need a second star. There's going to be a long, um, or second ball handler. There's going to be a long stretch where Luke is just going to need to take a week off, and I, um, I think that we should be prepared for that. That's kind of how I am. I'm, I'm, we're probably going to put a call out. To, to anyone wanting to kind of contribute with our game coverage just because it's too hard to do this. When I was yeah. I'm 36 now, when I was 25 or 27 or whatever I did, I remember one year I did 72 recaps between Mavs Moneyball and the two-man game where I was sometimes, but I had the time and the energy and I just can't do that anymore. And now like the coverage is different because you know, there's you just there's just too many games. I mean, I, I really wish they would figure out a way to cut down on the games and still get everybody their money. But the, you know, scarcity is apparently not a thing for the NBA. 
Well, the last question I have, because I've been wanting to ask this since last night, I asked you to record last night, and you you told me you were unavailable, and I think in no small reason, because you were watching the Netflix limited series, The Queen's Gambit, and yep. and what where how far into it are you? What do you think? So I am in that situation where I am uh, not watching the last episode, because I don't really want it to end, and I know it might not come back. Um, oh yeah, it's done, and it should be. It's great. Great ending. Yeah. I'm okay. That's good to know. I'm enjoying it. I was skeptical at first, uh, but once I appreciated, uh, there's like a mild amount of camp in this that does a lot of weightlifting, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I appreciate that. I think it's great. Uh, once you once you realize that the lady who isn't Linda Cardellini is uh, <laughs> the mom in the show, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of people in the show that look like people that you think they are, but they're not who they think they are. Um, w- once you realize that people are doing performances, and it's very like you know. It's almost like Broadway at points. You're like, okay, I can get into this thing. It's going to be okay. Um, and it's super, super easy to watch. It has nothing to do with the world at all. Nope. So really helpful uh, at this moment in time. So I really recommend everybody go waste uh, seven hours of your life and watch. Yeah, and it's it's they somehow take a topic, a girl who has an like unbelievable, like kind of instinctual ability to understand math and strategy to play chess and they turn it into a really watchable show that is unbelievably well-made. I'm not really one to understand film craft and they make it un- really, really watchable. Now the, the thing that throws me off and this is really speaks to this guy's ability to act is the fact that freaking Dudley from the Harry Potter movies is in yeah. this and is unrecognizable and really good. Like a yeah. core character and it's just, I don't know. I, I, nobody cares about my, my TV takes, but this was just the, I wanted to ask you about it. Cause I don't to talk about TV with. It's like my wife. It's also yeah. a unbridled endorsement of, of taking tranquilizers as a, as a child. You're like, what is happening? Like, I really <laughs> want like, to go Google now. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to go Google now. Did they make children take tranquilizers at <laughs> orphanages? And I, and I, maybe they did. I don't know. There's, All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening to the show. This has been Kirk Henderson and Ben Collins of NBC News. While I have you here, I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to, you know, your various podcast subscription service, look for the Mavs Moneyball podcast feed, you know, like, rate, all that stuff. Tell your friends. It really helps us. And as always, we uh, will see you out there soon. 